All right, good morning. All right, you guys are awake, good. Um, let's turn to Colossians, let's turn to the book of Colossians, um, chapter number four. And it's good to be back, it's good to be here, um, seating in the seats that you guys have sat in, though not in the front row. Um, I was in seminary, so we, all, we were always back row Baptists, they always put um, those of us in seminary back there, I don't know why. But um, it's good to be back, it's good to be around, it was good to be here on Sunday, um, riding the bus again and being in the bus ministry. I don't know how many of you guys have been on the bus ministry um, before, but that's quite a journey. That's quite an adventure. It's an excitement to be there. You literally wake up every Sunday morning and you have literally no idea what's going to happen that day. You know, um, if you're not on bus, you're in, you know, in the church service, you know, there's a, you know, there's a liturgy, you know, there's just the way that things are going to happen. But on bus, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, and it's, it's an exciting journey. Um, I probably shouldn't blow a bus secret, but on Sunday mornings, we actually get to play basketball with the bus kids. I don't know if I should have said that in front of everybody, but not everybody wants to be on bus. But anyway, um, but for those of you who are on bus, get a vision for Milwaukee. And I would just want to give that to you before we look into our passage today. Get a vision for those bus kids. Get a vision for Milwaukee. Get a vision for those areas of the city that are troubled because they need the gospel just as much as we do. We did before we got saved. And so get a vision, get a burden. For, and I'm hoping and I'm praying that somebody will be a missionary to that bus area and that, you know, the city of Milwaukee and to see churches started there. And so I just want to share that with you guys as you're here in Milwaukee, um, in the Milwaukee area ministering. Let's look at um, Colossians chapter number four. I want to preach very simply um, one verse because I don't have a lot of time. Um, Colossians chapter number four and verse number six. Colossians chapter number four and verse number six, and we'll look at another passage in Ephesians as well. Um, and it says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let me ask you a question. If someone came up to you and asked you how to get to heaven, what would you answer them? If someone came up to you with a difficult question, a difficult life circumstance that they're going through, how would you answer? Are you ready to answer? And that's what I want to look at today. You know, people are going to throw things at you. They're going to, you're going to face things when you get out of here, when you get into the ministry. And even right now in your, in your Bible, Bible studies and in your evangelism, when you go out and um, door knocking in Milwaukee or Menominee Falls or anywhere around here, someone's going to ask you a question and you're not going to know the answer just from your studies in class. All right? And it's important, nonetheless, that we be ready to answer these people with their questions. People have questions. People have issues. People have things that they're going through, and they need answers. Are we ready to answer them, and how can we be ready? And I want to just look at this very simple truth from this very simple verse. Let your speech be always with grace, that you may know how to answer every man. So, Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd anoint me and anoint my hearers. pray that you'd strengthen us and prepare us to give an answer to every man. In Jesus' name, amen. And so first, I want to look at speech that answers. I want to look at this um, topic of speech that answers first, and then we'll look at speech that edifies, and then we'll look at speech that is seasoned. And let me just say it right off the bat. Speech that answers flows from speech that edifies, and speech that edifies flows from speech that is seasoned. Right? So uh, the Bible has a lot to say about speech that answers. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28, you don't have to turn to there, but um, it says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. 
Did you notice that it's the heart of the righteous studies the answer? It's not necessarily a mind thing. It's not about your head. It's about your heart. Okay? Um, Proverbs chapter 22 and verses 20 and 21, it says, Have I not written the excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee? Words of truth that we might answer to those that send unto you. People will send to you for words of truth. And then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, this is probably a more familiar verse. It says, sanctify, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Okay? And so it's a matter of the heart, sanctifying the Lord God in your heart. And then secondly, it's a matter of the good conscience having a good conscience before God. And we'll talk about that more in a few. But people need answers. And we're supposed, the Bible calls us here in, this, in verse, uh, 1 Peter 3.15 and in other places to have an answer ready. You know, you go out at soul winning in Milwaukee and people are going to throw questions at you. And I find when I'm going out soul winning in Milwaukee that it seems like everybody has their own religion. Everybody has their own twist on truth. And everything, everybody has their own twist on spirituality. And no two people are exactly alike. All right? And we're called to be ready. We're called to prepare. And that's why you guys are here. And I'm not putting down academic study, but there's more to being prepared, being prepared than just academic study. Okay? There's more to being prepared than just filling your mind with head knowledge. Okay? Because like I said before, the, your teachers all right, that are sitting behind you and up here on the platform, there's only so much they can give you in four years, or five years, or six years, or 10 years, or whatever, all right? There's only so much that they can give you, all right, while you're here in the classroom. And there's new issues that are coming up day by day, all right? There's new, new situations, new scenarios, new doctrines that are coming out as time goes on that your, your teachers and your authorities have no idea about, and they're not going to be ready for, for, for it because it's not, you know, it's not their part, their ministry, but you guys are going to face them. How are you going to be ready right now? The key is here in this verse, I think. It says, let your speech be always with grace. Speech that answers flows from speech that edifies. It says, let your speech be always with grace. Uh, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter number four. It is a parallel passage. Colossians and Ephesians are parallel passages. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 29, um, these are probably familiar verses to you as well. Ephesians 4 verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Okay? So in this verse, there are two kinds of speech. There's speech that corrupts, and there's speech that constructs. Edifying is, I'll talk about constructing. Okay? There's speech that corrupts, and there's speech that constructs. Speech that corrupts, it breaks, it breaks people down. It breaks, it, you know, it wears you down. It corrupts, it defiles, all right? And if you notice in um, verses 31, uh, verse thir number 31, it talks about some kind, different kinds of speech that corrupt. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all manner. Let me just ask you practically this morning, what characterizes your speech? from day to day. You know, it's one thing to have, be minister, it says minister grace to the hearer. And we want to do that in our Bible studies. We want to do that in our Sunday school classes. We want to do that while we're on soul winning. We want to minister grace to the hearers. But what about 
in the dorms? Are we ministering grace to the hearers in the dorms? What about the lunch tables? Are we ministering grace to our hearers at the lunch table, at the dinner table, in the hallways? Or are we putting people down? Are we defiling others? You know, speech that corrupts, it defiles you. It defiles those who you're talking to. And it defiles those that are listening. And the Bible says, no, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. It says, don't let anything corrupt, anything that defiles, any bitterness, any, um, any uh, anger, any wrath, any anger, any clamor. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Don't let that come out of your lips. And it's, um, we could add complaining. We could add lying. We could add deception. Um, we could add gossip. We could add slander to this list of sins of the tongue that break each other down. And God says, don't let that kind of corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But rather, the opposite of that, speech that corrupts, is speech that constructs. All right? It says, let, let it, that, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up. All right? And it's, you see there in verse number 32, different kinds of speech that builds people up. Be kind one to another. You know, when I'm kind in my speech, I build you up. I build myself up. You know, I'm growing spiritually. And I build you up, and I build up those that are listening. If I'm kind in my speech, I'm building others up. If I'm kind, if, um, it talks about being tenderhearted. If I'm tenderhearted in my speech, I build up, I'm edifying myself, I'm edifying those who I'm speaking to, and I'm edifying those that are listening. And that's what God wants all the time. Let your speech be always with grace. All right? And then it says, um, forgiving one another, verse number 32, forgiving one another, either as God, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. As I speak forgiving words to you, to your heart, and as I accept forgiveness in you, confession is good for the soul, both for those who are confessing and those who are receiving the confession. Maybe you've had someone come up to you and apologize. That's not, that, that's not corrupting, that's con constructing. That's encouraging. All right? And the same thing if you're confessing, you're building yourself up. And so God wants us to have that kind of speech all the time. Kind words, tender-hearted words, forgiving words, all the time. All right? And he says, no, let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth. You know, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18, verse number 21, it's a verse that's often misquoted, often misused, but it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can either kill people and maim people with your words, or you can build them up, give life. And in a dying world, BCM students need to be speaking life all the time. Whether they're out on the, out on, you know, out on the streets soul winning, or whether they're in the dorms, speak life. Speak life, all right? In a sick world, Speak health. You know, Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 18, it says, There is, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The tongue of the wise is health. In a world of sick Christians, in a world of hurting Christians, speak health. Speak that which heals. Speak that which is wholesome. Speak that which restores. Okay? Now, what does that all have to do with answering? What does this lifestyle of speaking grace 
and constructing have to do with answering, being ready to answer every man. Look at number, verse number 30. Verse number 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you know that the Spirit is as real as Jesus and is as real as we are? And the Spirit has emotions. And the Spirit, when he, you know, the Spirit is always listening. The Spirit is always listening, whether you're in the hallways, whether you're out on soul winning, whether you're in the dorm. It doesn't matter where you are. The Spirit is always listening to your speech. Let me ask you, is he grieved or is he pleased? Now, have you noticed something about people who are grieved? Have you noticed something that, about people that are sad? They don't say much. They don't, they, they don't say much. They just sit down. They're, they're relaxed. You know, they're not interactive. And they don't say much. And the Spirit, because we're made, we're made in the image of God, and we're reflections of God, and when the spirit of gr- is grieved, I found in my own personal life that my soul winning, my Bible reading, my preaching, my discipling, and every other ministry that I have is affected when I'm not walking in this, walk, in this way of edifying speech because the spirit is grieved. When you grieve the spirit, you've grieved the source of your answers to every man's question. You've grieved the source. And how are you going to answer? How are you going to be ready to answer every man if the spirit who gives the answers, who gives wisdom, who gives the right word in the right time is grieved? How are you going to be ready? How are you going to be ready for the mission field? How are you going to be ready for the ministry? How are you going to be ready for your discipleship? How can you go out on Saturday morning to go soul winning and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, You've been backstabbing people behind their back and grieving the spirit and corrupting each other and corrupting yourself. All right? How are you going to go out into the ministry after you graduate when you spent four years lying and deceiving? How's that going to work? How's that going to be effective? How are you going to be effective? It's important that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. In this passage that talking, that's talking about speech, about corrupt communication, about edifying, it says don't grieve the Spirit. Because I believe that's the key. I believe that's the key. When the Spirit, when the Spirit speaks in you, when the Spirit, Spirit speaks to you, when the Spirit speaks through you, then you'll have an answer for every man. Then you'll be ready. Then you'll be prepared. It's not about head knowledge. So head knowledge is important. Get all the education you can. But it's more important than that. It's about walking in the spirit. It's about walking with God. It's about walking in fellowship with the Lord and not grieving him in our speech. The spirit is omniscient. The spirit knows every issue that's going to come up. The spirit knows every um, difficulty that you're going to face. And he has an answer. And as you walk with him, and as you practice constructive speech, he's pleased, and he's ready to give an answer to your mind and to your heart when that situation comes up. And that takes the pressure off you. That takes the pressure off me, because we can walk by faith. Speech that answers is speech, comes from speech that, is, that edifies. So let's go back to Colossians chapter number four. We'll tie this up together. 
Colossians chapter number four. And I have here a salt shaker. Because how are, how are we going to have our speech season? How are we going to have pleasant speech? How are we going to be gracious? How are we going to minister grace to our hearers? The Bible says, let, her, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You notice that it says seasoned, it's a past tense for, for those of you guys who have taken Greek, it's past tense. And so somebody else does the seasoning. Okay? And where is the source of salt in our lives? What is the source of salt? It's the grace of God. If you study it out in scripture, we don't have time to go into it. But God is the one that seasons our speech. God is the one that flavors our speech. You know, salt adds flavor. Salt adds pleasantness to otherwise stale food. All right? You go to, you know, you're in your fellowship hall and you have a plate of food that's kind of bland. I know that hasn't happened very often here, but let's just say that you have a plate of bland food here at BCM. And what do you do? You take the salt and you pour it on your food. The salt doesn't naturally come from inside the food. The flavor doesn't come from naturally inside the food. It has to be added. In and of ourselves, we are not naturally constructive speakers. In and of ourselves, in our own flesh, in our natural way of life, we are, not construct, uh, we are naturally corruptive speakers, and we need flavoring. We need to be flavored, and that flavor is going to come from the grace of God. That flavor is going to come from the Spirit of God. Um, let me read you a verse in Isaiah chapter number 50, in verse number 4. Um, the prophet Isaiah is talking about himself probably, but also a reference to Jesus Christ um, if you look at the passage. But it says in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 4, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. And so the prophet and then possibly um, his prophet, the Messiah himself this was his testimony. The Lord God wakes me up every morning to hear is to learn. Why? So that I can have a word in season for him that is weary. You know, there are people that are weary all around you. There are people that are weary in your dorm. There are people that are weary in, this hall, in these hallways. There are people that are weary in your Sunday school class. They need a word in season. How are you going to have that word in season? Let God season you with salt, with flavor. You know, salt also has healing properties. Salt also has, um, it has life-giving properties. Let God season you morning by morning. And that's why the hour of God in the morning is so important. That's why spending time with God in, in the morning is so important. You feed others, you minister grace out of your prayer life. You minister grace out of your devotional time with God. And so don't neglect that. Let God, like the prophet, wake you morning by morning. Let God wake you. Let him speak to you. Let him give you words in season for those who are weary, those in your Sunday school class, those in your, in your, in your, uh, your bus zone, those in your outreach zone. And develop that habit of being seasoned morning by morning by morning by morning. And as you are seasoned with the grace of God, with the salt of God, and as you have a habit of habitually lifting others up all around you, whether it be at the dinner table, whether it be in the hallways, in your private lives, it'll become a habit. And so when you go out, you'll already be used to speaking grace in other people's lives. You'll already have that habit of speaking grace 
into those that need to hear it. You already have that habit of constructing others with your speech. And so that's my burden this morning. My question is, are you ready to answer? Are you ready to answer? I didn't ask you if you have all the head knowledge in the world. Nobody's going to have the head knowledge in, all, in the world. Even if you go to seminary, even if you get a doctor's degree, even if your pastor himself, pastor himself would admit that he doesn't have all the head knowledge in the world. The key is walking with God. The key is keeping yourself clean, keeping yourself in that habit of building each other up and not tearing each other down. Not, not corrupting, but constructing. And as we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will be pleased with our lives. As you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will be ready when those situations come. When those situations come that you can't handle, the Spirit will be ready to give you wisdom. The Spirit will be ready to quicken your mind, quicken your heart, and give a word in season to those who are weary. As the Spirit listens in on your conversations and is pleased and not grieved, then in your ministries, your preaching, your evangelism, your discipleships, more and more you will find that you have a timely answer from him for everyone. And that's what God calls us to do. As you do all things without murmuring and disputing, you will be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, shining as lights and holding forth the word of life. And as you sanctify the Lord God in your heart, you'll be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is in you. Let's change the world by changing ourselves. As you bow before the Lord, Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you for this challenge. I pray that you would season us, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to recognize that the source of our answers and that people's an the answers that people need comes from habitually practicing edifying speech. And edifying speech comes from you. And so, God, I pray that you would work in hearts. I pray that you would touch lives. That this would be a place, this college would be known as a college that ministers grace to the hearers, both amongst themselves and in the community. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I guess we'll have an invitation. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. I don't know how God has touched you. I don't know how God has worked in your heart. But if you want to be ready, let me guarantee that. You want to be ready for whatever ministry God has for you. It may not be the mission field, but you want to be ready. And if God's working in your heart about speech that edifies, if God's working about in your heart about speech that is seasoned, I invite you to do business with God as the piano plays.